Probably safe to say that the most familiar use of salt is the one that you just saw in the children's message, either you or somebody else sprinkling salt on food to enhance it, to add flavor. But you're probably also well aware that salt has all kinds of use, is beyond just enhancing or adding flavor to your food. It's a preservative. Salt is, is also used for curing. So those of you that love bacon, be sure to give a shout out to salt because you wouldn't have bacon were it not for salt curing the pork. Salt is an important ingredient or, or essential mineral in your body. Salt is used not only to make connections for your nervous system and, and other ways, but also it helps to make sure that your muscles contract and constrict, they expand. And you notice maybe if you ever thought why people encourage you when you are hiking to bring salty snacks with you. As you sweat, the salt leaves your body. And so if you don't replenish, replace that mineral salt, then you will get muscle cramps. If you have ever been stuck or for some reason, willingly chose to live in the Midwest, you would know that salt has another purpose if you were there during the winter months. Salt is spread out all over the roads and sidewalks to melt snow. So salt has all kinds of, of uses. However, there is a time where salt is not particularly helpful. And that time is when salt isn't used. Well, of course, right? I mean, it stands to reason that it's only going to be valuable, it's only going to be helpful when you use it. If you don't use it, then it's not much good to you. How many times have you at the end of a meal said to yourself, you know what, I bet that would have tasted a little bit better with some more salt or different seasoning. Well, it's too late at that point. You can't go back. You've already eaten your food. The salt does you no good to season what you already ate. So salt is, is only going to be helpful or valuable in so far as you use it. As I get just a little bit older, I appreciate uh, a bright screen more and more, whether it's my laptop or my phone or even a television, because I, I squint more and it's more difficult to see things and a brighter screen is more visible. It's easier to see. And light in general enhances a lot of things in life. Who of us hasn't appreciated walking into a well-lit room? Light can evoke either a, a certain atmosphere or a warmth or a welcome to a room. You appreciate the exterior of homes or buildings when they are, are well-lit. Light is also obviously something that is pretty important, but isn't terribly valuable to us if we don't use it. Have you ever walked into a, a hotel room and you maybe have a little bit of light to see, but as you, you can just make out the, the hotel room and realize it's dark, you see maybe 23 lamps in the room, but you aren't quite sure how to turn any of, them, any of those lamps on. Do you put your card in a little slot and then you're able to turn them on? Do they each have their individual knobs in each lamp? Is there a switch somewhere that operates this lamp or the other one? That's great to have as many lights in the room as possible, provided you can actually turn them on and benefit from the lights. So salt and light are similar in that regard. They're valuable if you use them. And what salt and light are to really our day-to-day -day lives, Jesus this morning says, I want you to be that to the world. 
I want you to be salt and light that I have made you to be. I want you to be salt and light that makes the world better and brighter. And I suppose that makes sense when we consider an awful lot of of what Jesus directs us to in the New Testament especially when it calls us to put our faith into practice. So much of that centers on how we love and serve our neighbor. And if we carry those things out well, if we indeed could carry them out perfectly, who could argue that the world would be a better and brighter place? We all tend to operate by default to focus on ourselves. Now, if everybody in the world, instead of being selfish, focused on serving others, the irony is is that wouldn't we all be better off? So Jesus calls us this morning to be salt and light to make the world better and brighter. But we have to listen to the Savior's sermon because he points out that he has a very direct and important purpose for calling us to be salt and light. He laid that out for us in verse 16. He says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So if you were thinking that in putting your faith into practice and being salt and light, that the goal was to make yourself more attractive, to draw more interest in you, to make a name for yourself or improve on your reputation, Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing the mark. That's not why I want you to be salt and light. I have a much bigger purpose than just you. This is not about how to win friends and influence people. No, my purpose in you being salt and light is so that the Father would ultimately be glorified. No, not by your sanctification, not by your your sacrificial acts of service to other people. That in itself is not going to usher even a single soul into heaven. But Jesus' design is that as you are attractive to this world by making it better and brighter, people will be drawn to you and then you have the opportunity to draw them, to point them to Jesus. So that through that message, through the Savior's words, more souls are snatched away from Satan. That is his purpose. And is there any greater way to glorify the Father than when a soul is brought from darkness to light, from unbelief to faith in Jesus? There's no greater way to give God glory. Even Scripture talks about how all of heaven rejoices even when just one sinner repents and turns from unbelief to to Jesus for the confidence of salvation. That is Jesus' goal. And when Jesus calls you to be salt and light, he doesn't send you out empty-handed. In fact, if you listen, Jesus made it clear that he already took care of the heavy lifting. Look at the very next verse right after he encourages us to be that light to glorify uh, the Father in heaven. In verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, that might not strike you as oozing with gospel, but it absolutely is. Do you know what Jesus is saying there? He's not coming to say, hey, I came into this world to do away with the law that in the Old Testament God said was really, really important, but now he changed his mind and we're just doing away with it. Can you imagine what your relationship with God would be like if that's how he behaved? He says this one day, but changes his mind the next day. You would never know where you stood with him. Jesus says, no, I did not come to just do away with the law I did one better. I came to fulfill it. 
to complete it, to keep it, and realize what that means. He did what you cannot. He did what I cannot. He met the demand that the Father still had, as we heard in the Old Testament in that reading from Exodus. Hey, you're going to be my special people, my covenant people, my chosen people, provided you keep my commands. God didn't change his mind when Jesus came into the world. He said, no, this is how I'm actually going to do that. And Jesus fulfilled the law. And now he says, be the salt and the light that I have made you to do, to be free from any burden of the law. You're not enslaved by the law. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm not calling. I'm not sending you to do this in hopes that by doing so, you attain a right status before me. You already have that through Jesus who was the perfect salt and light in your place. And so now that changes the way that we look at at God's law. We see it not as this burden, but as the blessing that God wants it to be, the means by which we serve our neighbor by being salt and light and making the world better and brighter. We also have to be careful Because we recognize that when Jesus makes it very clear that he's already kept this law for us, our old Adam, that sinful nature in us, might be inclined to then just dismiss, to downplay, to set aside the law as if it's unimportant. And if you look through the rest of the verses, that's really what Jesus is getting at when he says, if you teach anyone to set aside the least of these commands, you're missing the point. That's not what I'm saying. They are still to be a blessing for you. Don't you dare set them aside and think about what that would be communicating to God for us to just downplay or diminish the law. That's great that Jesus kept it, but it doesn't really matter for us. No, he kept it so it could matter in a different way for us. Not to be a burden, as I said, but to be a blessing for us. So Jesus says, no, don't diminish the law. Don't set it aside. Keep it, but keep it in freedom the freedom that I have won for you by fulfilling the law already for you. Now keep it because you love me and you love your neighbor. Keep it because by doing so, you will make the world better and brighter. You think of the good examples that God gives us in the law, the blessings that will come from that. Encounter that with how we often find ourselves parenting our kids. Do you find yourself, when you are are raising your children, do you find yourself looking at all of these wonderful, amazing examples that see in the world around them and say, be more like those people, be just like them? Or, as a parent, do you find yourself more often saying, that thing that your classmate got in trouble for, that thing that's in the headlines with the latest celebrity, I better not ever see you doing that. Never. We don't need more negative examples of what not to do. The world does not need you to to fit in, to blend in. God does not call you to blend in in that way. It has enough corrupt examples to follow. What it needs are good examples. Salt and light. And think of the impact that that can make as you stand out. Imagine the different ways that you could view your favorite work of art, whatever it might be, a painting, a sculpture. Let's presume that that you could look at that painting or sculpture in an art gallery that is filled with all kinds of beautiful works of art. Certainly that would be amazing. And there is somewhere in that museum, that gallery, your favorite work of art. It would be impressive for sure. 
But now consider viewing that same work of art as you are going through a pile of kindergartner colorings, and no disrespect to kindergartners, but drawings that have a bunch of scribbles and coloring outside the lines, and then boom, in the midst of all of that is this work of art. Which one is going to stand out more? In the art gallery filled with all kinds of works of art, or in the other art with the kindergartners. See, when God created the world, it was a beautiful work of art. But ever since sin came in and and stained this world, it has left its scribble marks and colored outside the lines ever since. That means that as you are salt and and light in this world, making it better and brighter, you will stand out even more. And how do you do that? You simply be who Jesus has set you apart and saved you to be. God is not calling you to be somebody that rivals Mother Teresa in your works of service. He has called you simply to be you. To use the gifts that he's given you, the skills, the interests, the relationships, the abilities that he has given you, and use them to be salt and light and make the world better and brighter. So what does that look like, practically speaking? When you are in the restaurant, sitting at the table with your family, stop and and think of what kind of patron, what kind of table your server would look forward to serving. What kind of customer would they enjoy waiting on, serving on? And then be that customer. When you are at your child's game, cheering him or her on, stop and think what kind of parents would the coaches and the umpires or the refs want in the stands cheering on their kids. And then be that kind of parent. When you're in the workplace and you're, you're slugging out another workday, stop and think what kind of employee would be a a real blessing to your boss. And then be that employee. Be that neighbor. Be that person waiting in the checkout line at the grocery store. Be that spouse. We could list things all day long. The point is, as you find yourself going through your day-to-day life, stop and imagine in any scenario that you are in, what would be the ideal individual in this situation that would make this ideal? What would it look like? And then be that person. And do you know what happens when you're intentional about being that person? You're being salt and light. You are making the world better and brighter. And then just pretend for a moment. Pretend that that will never open up any opportunities for something more. Well, you can't really pretend because Jesus as much as guarantees that that won't be the case. He says, as you are salt, as you are light, he's going to bless those opportunities because the world is going to notice that you don't just blend in with the bland, dark rest of the world, but you stand out and guess what? It's going to be attracted to that and it's going to say, I want what they have and it's going to say, I want to be around those kind of people who make my life better and brighter. And that's absolutely going to open up doors 
that the Lord is going to give you to jump through and take advantage of exactly what Jesus wanted. The opportunity, ultimately, for others to have an audience to the gospel, for other ears to hear Jesus. And that's how the Lord will do his work, through you, as others are attracted to you. We often get hung up, I think, when it comes to evangelism. We kind of excuse it, dismiss it sometimes, as if the real issue is, well, I I just don't know what to, to say when it comes to witnessing to others. I don't have the right words. But maybe that's not our problem. Maybe we actually have to step back before that and realize, maybe my life is not all that attractive. Put yourself in the shoes of an unbeliever. Somebody that might know the name Jesus, somebody that might know that the Bible is a religious book, but probably indifferent toward or uh, disinterested in Christianity. Suppose that person at some point in their life is is going to seek out Jesus or, or wonder or question. Where are they going to turn? To the Karen at the table who has complained ever since she sat down and doesn't tip? To the parent who has been jeering every call incessantly from the time the game started? To the coworker who does nothing but complain about the company and gossip about everybody? They're not going to turn to those people. So don't be those people. But instead, be salt and light. Be the people that make things better and brighter, and others will be attracted to you. And when they are, and you're able to build relationships and friendships, pray that the Lord will continue to give you opportunities to do what matters most to him. Through your service, through your love to them, to be an on-ramp that the Holy Spirit might use to bring them to know their Savior as well. So go out and be what Jesus has made you to be. Be excited about all of the opportunities that God gives you each and every day to be what he has made you, to be salt, to be light, to make the world better and brighter with the confidence that he will bless you and others through it. Amen.